welcome to the Shrink Think Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Nathan, and we're both licensed professional counselors in Oregon, here to open up our lives and minds with you. We are your companion on the journey to grow your healthcare practice, yourself, and your relationships. To get you started, we've got a free email course on our website, shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course, with practical steps on overcoming your fear and anxiety. Thank you for joining us on the Shrink Think Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Shrink Think Podcast. We are excited to be here. This is now episode 96. We are getting close to that 100 mark. We're really excited about that, honestly. Like when we first started doing a podcast, I remember uh, we were at a conference with Joe Sanok and he was telling everybody, you need to get into podcasting. And we're like, OK, <laughs> um, but but he said, but you need to stay with it. Don't just do it because a lot of people do it and then they fall off and then it's over. But you kind of need to be in it for the long haul. So here we are almost two years later, um, getting close to episode 100. It's crazy. We now have seven listeners. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, we do right now um, at this moment. Or say hi, everyone. Hi. So it's very exciting. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Um, but we're excited to be here. Episode number 96. We are going to talk about something. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting. Uh, Nathan and I were were kind of preparing this beforehand. And um I, I just think it's just going to be a really it's kind of a complex sort of a thing in in general, but we're going to stay pretty high level about it. I think it's the kind of stuff that you might actually find really fascinating, even if you don't struggle with any of this or it doesn't resonate with you. I think just the mere fact that human beings are like this and can do these kinds of things. And this is how the mind and the body work is going to be pretty, pretty fascinating. So stay with us. Um, it, this actually comes from a, a write-in, uh, some, one of our, our loyal listeners, um, wrote in and said, said this after doing so much therapy, I still have physical pain. Uh, I understand it and it's better, but it's still significant. What can therapy do for someone like me? And some of the background was, um, this person has some trauma that they had worked through in some of their previous therapy. So, um, what we're really talking about today is, okay, so when you have some trauma or stuff that's happened to you that's affected your physical body, whether it's it's disabled you in some way or it's just has caused you to have pain or be uncomfortable, uh, what do you do about that in terms of actual therapy? And we're not talking about, you know, Nathan and I are not doctors. We're not acupuncturists. We're not prescribers. So we're not going to talk about any of that specialty kind of stuff on the medical side. We're really going to talk about the the mind and the body connection uh, and how those things work together and what we can do about that to actually relieve a lot of that pain or to be able to, to tolerate it to function in life. But first, we want to tell you about a new service that we created that's, that's out now. It's for therapists, but it's also for clients, people that are um, in therapy, whether you're sitting on this side of the couch or the other side of the couch. And it, it's called ShrinkThink. It's an exciting service that we're offering. We put together these short educational videos to inform you so that you can be empowered to get the most out of your therapy experience. You can head over to our website, shrinkthink.com. You can check out those videos. If you are working with a therapist, tell them about it because they are going to want to subscribe to our membership platform because uh, ultimately it's, they, it saves them time. It saves them a lot of time and it's going to save you. Uh, if you're a client, it's going to save you a lot of money 
and a lot of time in session. Um, you can listen to this stuff outside of session to inform you and give you all the tools that you need to get started with um, orienting yourself to therapy and being able to do that well. So check it out, shrinkthink.com. Let's go ahead and jump into this. Pain. Yes, pain, the subject. It's unfortunate, but when you go through difficult, you know, traumatic experiences or just, just really stressful experiences, it really does have an impact on your body. So Nathan, you're going to stay kind of high level and talk a bit about what that does, how the mind and the body interact. So go ahead and kick us off. Yeah, so um, super interesting. What we have learned kind of in the last few years, uh, maybe the last decade or so, that's kind of getting out there in the land of therapists' education, is neuroscientists are not wanting to say anymore that like memory is in your brain and that's it. Um, It's in your uh, hippocampus. They don't want to do that because they're like, well, they're realizing that memory is actually stored more broadly than even in your brain. And actually what a lot of Eastern folks have been talking about for a long time, we're finding out is true, is that memory can actually be stored in your body. One of these earlier disorders that's just super interesting, I'm sure a lot of you who have not heard about, are they're called conversion disorders. What that is, is when somebody literally cannot move a body part. For example, all of a sudden they just can't walk. They can't move their legs. They go to the doctor. The doctor's like, your legs are fine. Um, you need to go to therapy, right? Or whatever. And one of the things that I've seen, I've literally seen this where a psychiatrist put somebody under hypnosis, had them walk around. They walked around, they got right up and they walked around on video. And, um, so they have no problem with their legs, but what's happened is the brain has taken in order to function, has taken the energy and the pain that it doesn't want to deal with for whatever reason and goes, we're going to put that in your legs and we're going to isolate it out, kind of cut it off from the body in the same way that medical doctors have told us about how like your body tries to get rid of a splinter by like slowly pushing it out with, you know, pus and the gross stuff like that. It's like, it's like your mind goes, okay, we're going to lock this up and put it away. Have a good day. Cause it doesn't know how to process it. It's like a place to put it. You think of guys like uh, David Goggins, who's the Navy SEAL guy, who's like an ultra marathoner. And he's always trying to find out what his body can do. He's ran like on stress fractures and all this stuff. And, and it's like, yeah, you can, you can manage a lot of pain and kind of, and in a way, kind of ignore it. Or the folks along the monks long time ago at Tiananmen Square that in protest set themselves on fire and sat cross-legged. Um, what do they say? Like crisscross applesauce <laughs> or whatever. Anyway, but there it's kind of a bad example in the in that sense, or bad weird name for that in that sense. But they had to have turned their nerves off because they didn't move. They just I mean, anybody that's on fire would run. Your 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 fight or flight is to run. They turned that system off with their mind. Just nope, we're not doing that. Um and so it's there is this mind-body connection that we don't understand super well, but we do understand it enough to be able to help with things. Yeah. And just to interject here, part of that is the whole, all this research on the mind. We're not talking about the brain. There's been, you know, a bunch of research over, you know, several decades about the brain because it's a, it's an organic thing. You can put um, electrodes in the brain and stimulate certain things and see what happens or whatever. We're talking about the actual mind. Uh, Dr. Dan Siegel is um, one of the leading guys that, that has done some research on the mind. 
because it's this like intangible, abstract, and even sort of subjective thing where no no two people's mind is the same. Your mind is constructed of your experiences, your personality, and how you interpret or observe or take in information about the world, and then this the meaning that you make from that. And that's going to be very unique to you. And so your mind has the ability to impact and interact with your body. But there's not a there, there's a lot of research that's happened, but just comparatively not enough research compared to all the other things or like the body. Um, and so we're still finding some of this stuff out. And it's fascinating. There's some really interesting stuff that's happening. And so we obviously need to find more. But but what we want you to know for today is that when you have these negative experiences, and I don't want to just say trauma, um, but you can have some really stressful experiences, maybe that would be sustained over time, it can impact your mind in such a way that you interpret or believe certain things about yourself and about your body and about the situation. Some of, a, some of it is out of your control, like you didn't even realize you were coming to these conclusions. And so then it's impacting your body in a certain way. That and it's, again, it's sort of like subconscious or it's unconscious. It's unbeknownst to your conscious awareness that you're doing this, but it's a survival technique because when your body experiences the pain or the trauma that's happened, it's absorbed it. And as uh, Dr. Bessel van der, van der Kolk talks about in his excellent book, "The Body Keeps the Score," he says essentially that's what's happening. Your body is retaining the trauma or the stress that you've experienced, and your mind has made some sort of an interpretation or meaning about that. And even in some ways, you know what you're saying, Nathan, is that your mind can adjust and do certain things as a coping or survival or protective mechanism, which is incredible you know, for keeping that pain far away from you so that you can still function. But in a certain way, what we're talking about is also like, okay, well, what happens if I want to get better? Now I'm seeing that the survival stuff is, is dysfunctional and I need to like undo that. Yeah, it's, it's one of those, on the one hand, for those of you that haven't had some more experiences with this, where you, maybe you don't have a lot of pain or whatever, or not. And I, and also I realize that there's folks out there that have chronic pain and, um, we are talking to you and uh, as well, but we're also talking about kind of temporary ways people can process things. This, if you, the thing that's interesting is when, when the body stores something that is involved with psychological pain, there's going to be psychological information inside of the, uh, inside your body as well. So for example, this is probably a more realistic thing. Let's say that you've lost somebody that's very close to you and it was completely shocking. Like you did not remotely see this coming. This wasn't like a 90-year-old grandpa that's lived a wonderful life. This is something that's, and you just have had this kind of dramatic reaction to when you originally heard that information, okay? So it's, it's not, it's trauma, yes, but it's actually more like, this is kind of real life. I mean, this can happen. Um, so now fast forward, it's been like a year or two years. You've been, the you process this stuff normally. I mean, you haven't, it's not, we've did a thing on grief, you know, like you're not that person that's not processed it. You've tried to face it and you're in a massage, you're getting a massage and the masseuse is, is rubbing your upper back, which by the way, the weird thing is we do have a tendency to store stress in particular with family in our upper back and neck. They've literally located that. It is weird. Um, and so there may be massaging your shoulder and all of a sudden you start crying. 
uncontrollably. You just do. Like weeping. And it's and it's creeping you out because you're both having a experience where you're crying, but you're also having an observational viewpoint of that going, what is happening to me right now? And, lo- and probably some embarrassment because you're not alone and you have no control over it. Because what's happened is in your body that has been literally massaged out into your system of your your brain and your and your mind is now like okay we're processing this hair have a good day because when you originally were shocked you raised your shoulders up you held tight you didn't weren't aware of any of that and you were you were like a stress ball of tightness as you tried to process this stuff and some of that emotion went right into your back right off the bat and it's one of those things where it's like it I know some of you that are more left-brained analytical and sciencey are going to be kind of irritated with this and we're like how do you know that exactly somebody going to like we know because it's happened a lot i mean there's a lot of people out there that have had experiences like that i had a a counselor friend that had that had a very similar experience to what i just shared and so it's in therapy what um there are different trainings and different modalities internal family systems somatic experiencing in particular was was which was by Peter Levine that literally they're trying to work with the body. Let me give you one example. So what a therapist that's a somatic experiencing therapist might do, and, I, and I'm not that person. I've watched, I've done a lot of training on it, but I am not a somatic experiencer uh, therapist. They might have you sit on the couch, and they might say, "Okay, I want you to have, I want you to find a comfortable position where you're straight up and in your body's natural state." of comfort, right? And then you you find it and you do that. Okay, now I want you to bring the bad the this bad memory or bad thought or bad experience in. And then the therapist and then you you know do that when you're ready. And then the therapist will sit there. And they'll be watching your body intently. So, as soon as that as soon as your body shifts, they'll be like, "Okay, stop. I want you to find the comfortable position again." And then I want you to hold that memory and try to hold that position at the same time. What's interesting is the person, the client in that, in that situation is not aware that their body moved at all and is probably a little creeped out that the therapist even is saying to stop because the therapist just saw the memory affect your body. Right. It's sort of like, stop what? You know, I don't even know, <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about, but that's. I think to to kind of zoom out a little bit, um, like the whole idea of somatic experiencing is like your body is storing trauma or your body is storing pain in some way. Um, yeah, it's like this this um, intense energy and it needs to be released. And it's not the kind of thing that you just need to think about, right? That's an intellectual sort of a discovery. Um, it's not that necessarily even the kind of thing that you need to feel emotionally where like you need to process some feelings about it that might facilitate some of it or that might come alongside of it. But it's really a physical hardwired sort of a thing, like the whole massage thing where it just really needs to get massaged or moved out of your body. I know one of the trainings that we've done is um, where somebody was in a car accident, for example, and her body was stuck in a certain position from, from the, the impact. And the body was trying to protect itself, um, but got stuck in that position and never had the opportunity to do the full range of motion to complete that motion, so to speak. 
um, to like reach out the arm and protect. So like the arm kind of came up and towards like as a shield in front of her or something like that and like stopped there. And then it was like pain and stuff in the back and the shoulder or whatever. Um, but through some of this somatic experiencing movement stuff, sometimes what it is is um, you need to complete that motion. So when this lady was able to complete the motion of like, you know, bringing up the trauma and thinking about whatever it was and moving her body in a certain way, and, and I'm not going to describe it too detailed here, but when the body was able to move in the way it needed to move or do the thing that it never got to do to protect herself, if you imagine, it's like the body got stuck in, oh, no, we need to protect ourselves. And then it never had a chance to. So it's like still there, still waiting. We're still protecting. Right. Like, OK, you're safe, but the body is still in that motion. But when you can release that, then it's like, OK, we got to protect ourselves. <sighs> and then her whole body can just relax. And then it's like the pain goes away because it's no longer in that protective stance that it was. And so I think what we're trying to get at is when you when you look at some of the modalities out there and kind of the progression of dealing with therapy with your stuff, it's like, OK, yeah, there's some psychological stuff you need to deal with. There's some feelings you need to process and understand some awareness of yourself um, impact on your body. And at a certain point, sometimes maybe it is just physical. Maybe there is some somatic stuff that you need to process and you need to uh, get out of you with some of this body work. Yeah. So think of it like this. This is kind of oversimplified, but if somebody that you know cut you with a knife, um, I'm not saying it was like super, super bad. And maybe even it was an accident. There's a, a few pieces to that. One of those is like, I can't freaking believe they cut me with a knife, you know, and you have to process that. Let's say you get beyond that. At some point you're like, well, it happened, right? You still have a cut. You have a physical cut. That's real. It's like, there it is. And I hope you put a bandaid on it or whatever you needed to do. Maybe you needed stitches. Maybe it was that bad, but you have to recover from that. And there's, there's an element of what we're talking about that sometimes you get to the place where you've done the processing and, and there really isn't anything else to process and you still have pain. So then the question is what we naturally do as humans is we try to get over something, which means we try to cure it. We try for it to be gone, but it comes to a place where like, wow, that's not going to be curable. So now you switch over to, okay, we have to manage it. So how are we going to manage this? The first thing that just that process of moving out of the mindset of curing to management is a big deal. Yeah. Essentially you're going from, there's something happening in my body that's bad and wrong and I need to get rid of it. So there's like this resistance that you have to it. And in a lot of ways, that can that can agitate it and make it worse. That can make it feel worse. That can make the pain flare up because you recognize it. You don't want it there. You're fighting against it. You're wanting it to be gone. Whereas maybe there is something like physical or medical about that, that just it's just there. And and you've done everything you can do before that, you know, with psychotherapy or whatever um, to deal with it. So now we need to open up and actually accept it. We need to make space for it to exist in your life and in your psyche and in your body without fighting against it. Yeah. So the question is, is like, how do you do it? And, you know, there's and that's where therapy comes in. That's where it comes in like, OK. And that's why sometimes your doctor will say, like, uh, you, you need to process this. You need to meet with a therapist because the doctor knows, like, medically, we've done what we can do. There's nothing else that we can do. 
we're going to have to have your mind see what it can do. Like, right. To see. And I, we started off this podcast with like, check out this crazy stuff your mind can do. And it's true there. You, I would just encourage you like there, the mind is more powerful than whatever you think it is. I, I had the opportunity to work with a guy from in the special forces one time. And he said, what they basically do is all the training is built to, to take you one more step, one more step, one more step. And then stop. One more step. And then stop. Nope. Just keep going. <laughs> no, Just keep going. He goes, what they do is they kind of, they kind of help you. They take you beyond whatever your, whatever you thought your limit was. And you kind of feel like, no way. Like, one last little detail that they didn't show this in the movie. Um, uh, Lone, Lone Survivor was the movie. But the dude at the end um, crawls. They figured this out later. What he did is he took his knife and he made a line across in front of him because he couldn't walk. And he took his knife and then pulled himself across the line. And then he did another line. They looked at that later and he had pulled himself seven miles on the dirt on his stomach. I'm telling you, when you engage your mind and you try to figure out like, how am I going to manage this? Um, th- there are, you will be surprised. You can actually lower quite a bit of this stuff down. And there are therapists that are more experienced in helping you do that than other therapists. So you want to make sure that you search appropriately out there. Yeah. Just kind of one more example here. I remember working with, uh, with somebody who was fully functional um, was pretty athletic and, um, something had happened. I don't remember if it was like a car accident or something had happened, whatever it was. Um, but this person was no longer able to do all of the things that they were able to do before. And that was uh, quite frankly, um, psychologically devastating. You know, when you think about acceptance over this pain, there was now all this chronic pain, but this person was, um, thinking about themselves as well. I should be able to run. I should be able to move. I should be able to be, you know, mobile and athletic. And now I can't do those things in the same way I used to be. So there's a certain amount of loss and acceptance that has to happen in order to make space for that to happen. And all of that is really kind of stuck in how this person is thinking about themselves, which was very different from how they've always lived in their life. And that's very difficult to do, but it can be done, right? And so with that, it's like your own mind is keeping you stuck from being able to move forward at times. Whereas it's not fun. It's not the kind of thing where you want to have to open up and accept. But what we're saying is there is hope. You can actually open up and find that place of acceptance. Your mind can do so much more than you think it can do. And you can actually live a functional life Um, that might be different from what you're used to. But if you're willing to be open to that and to manage that with your mind and in your body, you can actually accomplish so much more than you realize. We begin and end things. Your body begins a movement and needs to end the movement. And sometimes that ending becomes integration and acceptance of what just happened. It doesn't mean you have to like it, but you have to accept it. All right, you guys. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to our show. Don't forget to head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts to leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also visit our website at www.shrinkthinkpodcast.com forward slash course and sign up for our free email course, Nine Ways to Overcome Fear and Self-Doubt. 
and you'll get nine weeks worth of customized, practical strategies you can use to get past the fear that's holding you back in your life. Thanks again for listening. 